0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I've got Amy Mativa up in, uh, well, I forget where. Uh, it's up, up north somewhere where it's really cold. Amy is a snow cross athletic trainer. I've got David Redinger. He is a professional jet ski racer. And then one of Amy's biggest fans, also a professional snow cross racer, hunter. Uh, All joining the podcast today just talking about the action sports athletic training So Hunter's going to talk about how awesome Amy does Amy's going to talk about how awesome she is And David's just going to talk about or ask questions Which actually in the pre-show we found out that David's wife interviewed Amy And has kind of helped shape her career some as an athletic trainer So it's really cool how it just kind of randomly happened all together So uh, Amy, Hunter, David, welcome to the show And I am glad to get started
1: Thank you. Yes, I'm thanks for having us. Here. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Let's start off with some crazy stories. All right. So um, <laughs> so Amy actually has called me like three times this week, and we've talked for like 20 <laughs> minutes each time. And there's been stories or different different kind of things. So right now in Houston, we're dealing with like 14-degree temperatures. And if you can hear in the background some water leaking, it's because we had a pipe bust at the school that they're going to come take care of shortly. And so we're dealing with really cold here at 14. Amy was telling me that she had, they were at negative 40 and the trailer, like the propane froze. And so then the tra- inside of the sports medicine trailer was <laughs> 42 degrees all weekend long or something like that. So Amy, start us off with just some fun snor- okay. story about snowcross.
1: Well, we'll start out with last weekend. We were in Fargo, North Dakota. And it seems like every time we go to Fargo, it's cold. It doesn't matter when we go, it's just cold. So last weekend it was negative negative. On, we race two days, so we race Friday and Saturday, and each day is a different round. So it might be, um, so it's different races, but it's the same weekend. Um, and it was negative. I want to say it was negative twenty on Friday round that with wind chill. We'll just say that. And then on Saturday it was negative forty. When we got to the trailer on Friday, I want to say it was twenty nine. We really couldn't get that trailer above forty two. Our Propane tanks froze. Um, I know Hunter came in to get tape, and it was cold. Am, am I right, Hunter? I think it was freezing, yeah, it and it felt bad.
2: It was pretty cold.
1: It was cold, and I felt bad because, <laughs> you know, you can't be cold when you're already in the snow. So um, we went out there, and we um, we stood out there for 15 hours at least. This, on Friday, we started at 11 a.m., and then we go till about – 10 10 30 10 o'clock usually is when we get done and off the track and the track is clear and we can leave so um that was the first day second day uh, we have the younger riders our uh, younger uh, national riders and they start at 8 8 20 is their first practice and so i have to be at the trip about seven thirty so we were there and uh, we went to um oh we had to backboard in the snow so when you're backboarding in the negative 40 we had a rider that <clears throat> He came into a turn and I'm going to try to not use all my lingo that I use with the guys. Cause it does get a little complicated when you're getting into the skidoo corner, which each corner is labeled with different flags to tell us where things are on the track, which is very helpful for us and the flaggers that travel with us and the riders. So when you get in, they were getting into skidoo corner and it was a rhythm second, which means there was some bumps on it. And then they, jumped and this rider fell off his sled he got hit by another rider and then he got drugged 50 feet and another rider hit the other sled behind him so we had two sleds stuck together and a rider underneath the sled it's very difficult to and of course we yellow flagged it right away which means everybody has to stop they can't jump they have to go around and the flaggers are trying to keep us safe and the rider was okay talking to me and then basically It gets, and then I basically jumped across him to block him. So I would take the sled instead of him to protect him. Um, And that's unfortunately normal. We try to put ourselves in front of the riders so they're protected, especially if they have an injury. Um, With that injury, we had to backboard him. And we've learned over the years that just a regular backboard does not work. So we have to backboard and put a Stokes. And a Stokes is kind of a, it's kind of a round, like, um, it's a specialized backboard that they use for different sports. We've used it so the rider doesn't slide cause snow moves and it worked, you know, you have all the gear. We didn't take any gear off, no helmet off because if we exposed his skin, he would have got frostbite right away. And so, and these guys are wet when they, I hate to say that, but they take off their gear and they're soaking wet underneath. So we do have to be careful of that, especially in the elements when we're, we're working with them. Um, So it's And then I noticed, um, I had forgotten, I took my gloves off, should not have done that. Because when I went to grab the Stokes, which has metal, I realized that my hands were going to stick to the Stokes. So I grabbed my gloves again, put them back on. And then when we carried him off, we actually went right to the ambulance because our trailer was so cold that we couldn't evaluate him in the trailer. So he was all right. He went to the hospital, everything was cleared and he was fine. So um, thank goodness for that. But that's, it's not uncommon to have I mean, we've had some very serious injuries. Um, we, Hunter was in an inch. I'm going to go there, Hunter. Sorry. You were in a, a bad accident a couple of weeks ago in a corner that Deadwood is a very tight track. And I mean by tight is it's small. I love the area. Love the people there. I just don't like that track because it's tight. The riders, I think, love it. I, I'm not a big fan because it's hard to work in those really tight conditions. Um, and Sometimes they get into a situation where they get landed on and hit, and unfortunately Hunter got caught in one of those situations, and we did get him off the track very quickly, and uh, he was okay. Obviously, he's sitting in front of us today, which thank goodness for that, Um, but we've also had um, riders get buried in the snow, and we've had to dig them out, especially in Deadwood. We had another incident in Deadwood where we actually had to undig a rider out we do carry avalanche shovels because you really cannot see them when they're buried. They're basically buried underneath the snow and you see their feet. And so it takes a different element of not only do you have to get to the athlete, you have to run on a hot track. The sleds are going by you at, I don't know, what do you run in 140, 50, depending on the track.
2: Yeah. Depending on the track layout.
1: I mean, I mean, you're running pretty fast and you have to have a flagger in front of you that knows what they're doing. Cause I mean, there was a situation in, in uh I know I can go on with stories because there's so many, but my life is in the hands of a flagger and the riders. If they can't see me, I'm dead. That's basically the truth. Because if they come off of a berm, they don't see me, I get hit. And that's literally the truth. And, and it's not any fault of anyone's. It's racing. You know that going in. We sign waivers saying that we're not responsible for what, ha- they're not responsible for anything that happened to us. We know the risks that we take. So every day I go on the track, I pray that I have a good flagger in front of me um, because that's my lifeline because they will take they'll have to take a slide for me. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I can go on with different stories. We've had it's basically a car accident waiting to happen. And when it does, you're watching it happen. And then you have to respond to that and you have to respond in the best of your ability. Is it perfect every time? Absolutely not. Conditions are always changing and the track is always changing. So you never know when that situation will evolve. So as the track changes, you watch for situations. And we try to move our medical team towards those situations so that we can respond faster. So I could tell you more, there's lots. (laughs) There's so many (laughs) stories and it, and Hunter knows too, you just, when you're out there, these people are my family, you know? I mean, these, once you start touring with them and the Snowcross community is very tight. So even though you don't say anything, you walk out of the trailer, everybody knows because somebody's putting it on Facebook by the time you walk out of the trailer. Um, but I tr- I don't do that. Obviously, I have a lot of uh, rules and stuff that I do. So that's my stories. But I have more. But, you know, just uh, we've had some very serious life-threatening injuries. Um, those are hard. Um, we had a racer. I'll go to Caden's injury. It was in Deadwood. He got hit by a spindle. Hand an arterial bleed from the nose. Um, and it doesn't sound possible, but he was pretty much, he was not, um, he was cold and stiff. And when I got to him, he wasn't breathing. And then all of a sudden, I'm not going to lie, by divine intervention, his he came back. I can't explain it. No one can on the team. We all witnessed it. Um, God really is in our presence when we're there on the track. Um, he I don't I can't explain it. It just happens and he actually had emergency surgery uh 6 hours of emergency surgery and actually raced 3 weeks later. And this is that's my athlete. These are not your normal They're not they're extraordinary athletes. They're in shape. They you know, they've lean muscle mass. There's so many things that they bounce back from and you I mean, Hunter went off front of his bars, landed, jumped back on and won the race. That was two years ago, and he—it was like no big deal. I mean, store, but I mean, that's the type of athlete I get to deal with, and what a an, what a cool thing to do with, and be able to help them pursue their dreams. To me, that's huge.
0: Let's go back just a little bit. You said this guy got hit by a spindle in the nose. So, what is okay. what is that?
1: Um, how do you want to help me with this one? I how do I explain that? Um, yeah,
2: so honestly, you know, what, you have. You have the skis on the snowmobile, and then those uh, those arms that come up directly up from the skis. That's the spindle. So the spindle is a very hard piece of material. Um, obviously, it's it's to it needs to be able to withstand any kind of um, pressure, hard impact, um, other snowmobiles landing on it. Um, unfortunately, obviously, bodies hitting it if it does ever come to that. Um, so it's a very sturdy material, and um, I mean, if you hit that. I've, I've been hit by a spindle before and and it doesn't feel good at all. So, um, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to take that to the head. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's just a very, very hard material and, um, it's pretty, it's a pretty small, thin material too. So it's pretty tough to, or it'd be pretty easy for it to puncture you or uh, do anything like that. Even though it's not very sharp, it is very like, it's, it's pretty skinny. And there's some, some skinny ends to it too. So that, Mm
1: -hmm. that makes
2: it pretty tough too.
1: Right. And, and with that, he just got hit in the face. He basically, when I got to him and, and Caden knows, I talk about him a little bit and we've had different um, situations where I've had to give uh, speaking engagements on him. Basically what happened was when I got there, I didn't think he had an eyeball. We did have to dig him completely out of the snow in three feet. He was buried completely straight down. And so trying to dig him out and trying to control the bleeding because he was bleeding out. We figure he lost about four liters of blood on the track. Um, it was a bad situation. We got him to the ambulance within five minutes. I don't know, it felt like 45, but um, he lived to tell about it. And uh, he had broken every bone in his face and he had 97 stitches on his leg from the, the uh, studs. There's studs on the back of the track and sometimes we get studded, stud injuries, which means that they can get lacerations. Um, so we deal with lacerations. We deal with um, punctured. Oh, my word, punctured. We had a pneumothorax, which is obviously, you know what that is. We had a pneumo a couple weeks ago. Um, we had uh, lacerated spleen, liver, and four transverse processes broke on one athlete. Um, and he rode a sled off the track. So that's the kind of, there is no, I don't even know how, it's a different mentality. Um, I think we kind of compare ourselves to bull riders in a way with the, what they do. But so that's what you're also looking at. Like you can take a ski to the back and even though they have a tech vest on, cause they have a ton of safety equipment on, you still have, it can come underneath that tech vest and hit you hard. So, I mean, you have to look for internal bleeding. So that's why on our team, we have an ER physician um, we have a trauma nurse, we have a flight medic, flight paramedic, we have, um, EMT and then myself as an EMT and an athletic trainer. So as a team, we all have our specialties, but when it comes to an injury like that, we all work together and know our place and we know exactly what we need to do to get that rider off safely. All
0: right, Hunter, tell me a little bit about your experience with athletic trainers prior to being a pro snow cross racer or, or working with Amy what experience do you have with athletic trainers?
2: So with athletic trainers, I don't have a bunch of experience just because, um, fortunately throughout my, (laughs) my life, I haven't, uh, been injured that much. Um, so I played football when I was younger, but we just had our, um, like through high school, but we just had our school athletic trainer and she would just do the basics like tape ankles or, you know, I mean, as a, as a high school kid or a teenager, you, some people just think it's cool to get everything taped. So, I mean, some <laughs> of the tape she's putting on, she just like, it isn't really doing anything. So, um, so not really much experience there, I guess. Uh, I didn't learn a whole lot from, from that, but um, with, with Amy, I actually, so I've been racing the national circuit for um, I think this is my seventh year now. And I actually didn't, really fortunately i didn't really get to know amy until uh just a few years ago um at, at deadwood actually cuz uh in one of the practices i i crashed and um the way the sled rolled uh, my body landed on the sled and i mean we were talking about spindles earlier and i caught i took a spindle to the shoulder so um there was a little bit of a uh scare there with with me i didn't know if my shoulder was separated or if it was Uh, dislocated or um, if I just had if I just had a hard hit on my shoulder and fortunately um, I was able to go over to the mobile medical well at first I went back to the trailer to (laughs) just hope that the pain would go away but and Amy came to um, find you (laughs) yep yep Um, and there's one of those deals where you don't want to go to the medical trailer just because you don't want to have to like you don't want to think about the possibility of you possibly being injured so um you kind of just want to put that to the back of your mind and be like okay i'm gonna tough this out like i'm gonna i'm gonna race no matter how bad it hurts because i don't want to be injured so um it was one of those deals where i didn't want to go to the mobile medical but um as soon as i got back to the trailer uh i couldn't move my arm so i figured it was probably probably a safe bet to go to the medical trailer so i started walking back trying to find the trailer and fortunately amy was coming to find me so we ran into each other and i went back to the trailer um and yeah, she got me taped up. She examined me and uh, another doctor, Doc Parsons was there um, to, he did, they both were evaluating my shoulder and trying to figure out if anything was wrong. Um, fortunately there was nothing. So I just got taped up that night and then um, yeah, went on and ended up doing really well that night. Actually, that was actually the night that I, I crashed in the <laughs> final and went over the handlebars and uh, still won, but uh what an eventful night that was. And then, um, yeah, I think just being able to have her there, um, just knowing that no matter what kind of pain you or injury you suffer, it's like, you're going to have people that you can trust there with you. So, um, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, for instance, at Deadwood, again, I, I got into a really bad injury, but, or a really bad crash. I mean, and, um, there was a hard impact between my shoulder blades from another snowmobile, but, um, as scary as it was not being able to breathe I also had a little bit of confidence that like at the time knowing that the people I had to be able to work with like I could trust them and I knew that they were going to do everything they could to to I mean god forbid if something were to happen like I I didn't start breathing again like I knew that they were going to be able to do something to uh, to to make it work so um, I had no worries there and I have a lot of trust in and our medical team, especially Amy, and knowing that, like even Saturday, uh, Friday night, I spent the night in the hospital, and then the next day I came back and um, and I ended up racing, and I went out for practice, and I didn't even know my shoulder was was hurting. So <laughs> um, obviously, I had I had a uh, a bruise on the back of it, and I knew that I took an impact there, mm-hmm. and. Um, I didn't even know that it was going to hurt while I was racing, but, um, I went out for practice and it actually was really sore, so sore that I could uh, barely ride. So I went into the medical trailer and I told Amy what was hurting and she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I know. I figured it was going to be. And so like, she, she already had this feeling that, that my shoulder was going to be, be hurting. So she was already ready to go. And she was just waiting for me in the trailer to, um, to come in and, and get taped up. So I think to be able to have somebody that's dedicated enough and has that um that want to just help people and care for people and uh, just show people a lot of uh attention and uh I mean that's awesome to have as a racer to know that you have somebody in the medical trailer that is that hands-on with everything and is willing to stand out there when it's negative 40 and um (laughs) sit in a a trailer that's only 42 degrees uh (laughs) But yeah, just to have somebody like that, it, uh, it definitely gives you a lot of confidence when you're out on the racetrack, for sure. And um, just knowing that no matter what goes on on the track, obviously, um, God does have a plan for us. So um, whatever whatever plan that is, um, I mean, good or bad, we know that we have good people behind us and um, we have a, a good medical team that, that knows what they're doing and um, are going to be able to kind of take matters into their own hand and uh, yeah, just just make things work.
3: There's uh, no doubt that, you know, snow cross racers and other um, motorsport, action sport um, athletes are, are tougher than nails, right? Um, so how have you seen that mentality of racers change of, hey, I need to just, you know, walk this off or no, I'll be fine, um, you know, with having that medical uh, team there?
1: Um, is this for Hunter or me?
3: That's for you, Amy.
1: No. Okay. So what I've done is really worked with the athletes. Like I go, like Hunter never wanted to come in. And so we would talk on the track and we have a hand signal. Um, When he's focused, I don't go up to him. And so we have a hand signal and we actually use hand signals and I'll ask him with a hand signal if he's good or bad and he'll let me know. And I know that if he gives me the hand signal, then I just leave him be. He's looking at lines, trying to think. And I think that's what it is. You have to also respect them as racers. Um, you can't be the overprotective athletic trainer, but you also have to know when they don't know if they need a, need medical. You have to break that barrier down. And what I do is I talk a lot to the riders and get to know them before they're actually injured. Um, I try to hit the little the little riders that we have because our riders start at five years old. So a lot of my younger riders know who I am and they actually utilize me as as too for taping or even evaluating their injuries. Um, and then you just get to know them as people so that when they're ready, if they do get injured, they can come to me and talk to me and they'll know that I, I'm not going to tell them, Hunter knows that I will tell him if he can't race or he can, but if he can, I'm going to get him back on that track. And I think that's with any of them. Now there's a time when in Fargo, I had to tell a racer, you're not getting back on the sled. One, your sled's completely demolished and it is not going to run but you hit hard enough that I got to put you on, I need you evaluated. Now, is that my favorite part of the job? Absolutely not. But we all know that we have to do that as medical professionals. But if you get to know that rider beforehand, the chances of them not being mad at you, whether they are or not doesn't is that relevant. But I think the big thing is, is making sure that they know that one, you care and that their safety is important and that you're not gonna let anything happen to them You know, you're going to be there for them 100%. And if they know that, it'll be okay. I mean, it's not uncommon for my riders and I to talk during the week, especially if we, when we were back-to-back weeks and we only have three days off, we're talking if I have an injury that I need to check on. I mean, I already know that on Thursday I've got to go take care of an athlete in the hotel. Do you know what I mean? I already know. I mean, so you're trying to get, you're making sure that they're taken care of, and I guess I'm all in, you know? I mean, if I'm going to do this, I'm all in, I'm hundred percent. And that's, that's me. That's just how I'm an athletic trainer. Not everybody is all in, but these guys are my family and I'm going to take care of my family. So that's kind of how I look at it. And each one of them is special. Every one of them has a different goal and dream. And if I can help them get their dream, you know, I'm, that's I like getting podiums. That's cool. I'm like, Oh, I got that one. I got that one. When they thank me on the podium, To me, that is the biggest thanks. And even if they don't, and they just thank me later, to me, that's huge, you know, I'll take that any day. So just gaining the trust of the athlete, but also talking to them as a person. Cause you know what? I remember one, I remember Lincoln and Kyle Pauline, one day they said to me, you know, we're just as scared going down those hills as anybody. I'm like, you are? And again, they became real. So. They're just as scared sometimes riding these tracks. I'm scared, just walk the track. You know, I mean, that's the part that you just get to know them. You know, that's the cool part. All right. So I think I answered.
0: So Christine Boot,
1: uh, oh, Christine. Yeah. I know Christine.
0: Katria <laughs> Faustin and Jackie Rice are all watching live. Yep. And-
1: Jackie's one of my pro riders for the snow bike. She's the only female pro, number 27. She is the only pro woman in snow bikes she rides our snow bikes and is trying to get to the x game so people she's the girl
0: there you go so they're all watching just talking about how awesome you are as well so Uh, thanks for watching live on facebook there okay so you just mentioned something different uh so you've been saying sled and a snow bike what's the (laughs) difference what's the difference there
1: so we have uh hunter i might need your help on this um snow bikes are different than a sled a sled is a snowmobile snow bikes are um They have a ski on the front, and they have a – is it called a timber sled on the back on her? I think?
2: Yep. Yeah, it's a timber sled, or they have, like, Yeti or – Yeah. Yeah, anything along those lines.
1: It's a 450 uh, motorcycle that has a ski on it, and they're squirrely. Um, I hate to say that. Um, Our tracks are designed not for them. They're designed for a sled. So them coming off, they'll actually – you just have to watch because they can't turn as well in the snow as – Well, some of them can, but some of our newer riders. So we have the snow bikes that has been, I think we've been running those three years, I think three years. And now they have their own motos. So, so we have snow bikes now um, and they are in the X games. And in when we last year, not this past year, but the year before COVID, we had all the X game guys ride with us in Shakopee. So we actually got to watch the whole X games right in front of us because we had 25 snow bike riders um and that's really awesome to see some of those guys because then you watch them in the x games you're like oh yeah i seen them last weekend you know that's really cool and it's really cool to watch them put those bikes down on the snow because they're like inches Mm -hmm. from the snow and i'm just amazed i don't know about you hunter but sometimes i'm just like how did they do that you know
2: yeah it's pretty crazy to to watch those like i remember last year at fargo Mm -hmm. they were running lap times that were probably three or four seconds faster than the snowmobiles just because of mm-hmm. how fast they can corner and yeah. i mean obviously we have the chance as riders we'll be walking the track we'll run into a couple of the, the snow bike guys so um i just asked them like what it's like to to ride mm-hmm. one of them and because it looks so hard and depending on the snow the snow conditions if it's super snowy i've heard from a couple of people that it's mm-hmm. similar to uh riding a jet ski oh so, yeah there you go. so like it's kind of cool to hear like almost like all these different sports are coming into one so you have snowmobiling then you have dirt bikes and then like it like riding sometimes riding a snow bike depending on the snow conditions feels like riding a jet ski so it's like all these things just <laughs> thrown into one and it's pretty cool to to be able to see mm-hmm. but no watching those guys ride the snow bikes is pretty insane um yeah. i i'm not a very good dirt bike rider so um, <laughs> they say it's nothing like they say it's nothing like dirt bikes at all but um, I gotta imagine there's some sort of similarities, but I mean I would trust mm-hmm. them over me any day. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually gonna try to uh Jackie's gonna teach me how to ride one and I've never ridden a four fifty. So we should this should be interesting and hopefully no videos are taken. Um, but she does have to teach somebody. So if I fall and crash, somebody come save me. So you know, um I'm pretty excited about that.
2: <laughs> so that's what you're for, Amy. You're supposed to be able to save yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Hutter. <laughs>
0: Amy, you talked about you just now switched to a medical device company, but you were working in the high school. Mm-hmm. How did you get to Snowcross? Oh, how did Snow I get Cross? started? Yeah, well, actually, let's let's start back. Where, where did you get into AT? And then okay. how did you get to where you are right now?
1: I was about, I was seventh grader, and I had a shoulder injury. I had bursitis in both shoulders. Didn't know it. And the doctor told me that I would never be able to play sports. And I'm like, What do you mean I can't play sports? Um, And so I went to a man named Walt Kanicki, who was an athletic trainer, and he had devised a system of pulleys, and I'd never seen it before, and it was isotonic and isokinetic, and he actually had me doing, I was lifting weights with uh, pulley systems and isotonic stuff, and I don't know, he devised his own system, and it worked. And I ended up getting better, and I was like, this is really cool, this guy's awesome, what is this? So then I was in seventh grade, went to a basketball camp at Central Michigan University and went to um, the bookstore. And I found this book called Athletic Training by Dr. Arnheim, the fifth edition. (laughs) That tells you how old I am. And I started reading the book and I'm like, this is a thing. And I was so excited about it that I came home and said, I'm going to be an athletic trainer. I didn't even know who was in it. I just decided I was going to be an athletic trainer and it never changed. And in order to pursue that, um, I was always injured. So I taped myself, I'd learn how to do stuff and I would read the book. Oh, that's an injury. So I started taking care of everybody else by this book, never had any formal training. And then when I was a high school senior, I finally told the band teacher, my Dr. Mike Dart and said, hey, I really want to be an athletic trainer, and I noticed that you're on the field a little bit, and he's like, yeah, I'll let you tape your first ankle, so one of my classmates was my first ankle that poured, I'm so sorry to him, because it was terrible, like the word, I didn't know what I was doing, and I decided to go to Lakesbury State University up in Sault Ste. Marie, And I went up there because it was small class size and it was an internship program. And for those of you who don't know an internship program, it's 1,400 plus hours of basic on-the-job training and we didn't have KD-approved programs. So um, you basically were doing a lot of things on your own. You had to figure things out. Um, And so I went to Lakesbury State and I ended up getting my first gig with I'm doing the long story. Sorry. Um, tennis. And, you know, I was like, I don't even like tennis. And my, my parents said, you know what, if you're going to do this, you be the best tennis athletic trainer you can be. So whatever your, whatever sport it is, you be the best at. So if that means figuring it out, you figure it out. Don't just because you might not like this sport doesn't mean that the athletes don't need you. And I think that was the best advice, like be the best at whatever you're doing because you know that athlete's counting on you and then I ended up becoming a wrestling athletic trainer I was the only female I was like being the odd one out and trying to do that and I like the fact that um, you could you only had a minute and a half you could figure this out quick um, and I like that I like that aspect of it And then I volunteered like crazy um, all through my college years at anything I could volunteer at I just wanted to learn. I would talk to athletic trainers. Um, when I was the true story, I actually stocked the Harlem Globetrotter bus. Um, I was, um, I was at Lakesbury state and they had come to play and there was, I was sitting there and I was watching the athletic trainer. I'm like, I really want to meet him. I really want to meet him. I don't care about the players. I want to meet him. And so I went out to their team bus. that was out front and I actually asked for the athletic trainer and they're like, you want to speak to Kent? I'm like, yes. And so they went on the bus, brought him out. And I was like, Hey, I just want to pick your brain. I just want to learn everything that, you know, how did you get here? And thank goodness for that man. Cause he took the time with me to, he spent three hours with me telling me how to be a professional athletic trainer. Now I didn't know at the time I was even going to go that route. I wanted to, but I also knew I had a long way to go. And so, but him taking that three hours changed the way I thought about athletic training and what I was doing. He kind of changed my direction. And then what was really cool is about a year later, he called me, which was like, I was like, oh, and uh, cause that was pretty big deal. And he actually um, had me come across to, Sa- to Ontario and actually go to the Harlem Globetrotters game there. And that was the debut of Jazzy, the first woman uh, basketball player for the Harlem Globetrotters. And so I actually got to meet her, and then security escorted me back out. They co- I couldn't be on the floor. But I think that was really cool because I didn't realize that he remembered me. And I think, again, that was huge because I was like, oh, my word, he took the time. And so that was really cool. And I got to ask him more questions and just pick his brain of what to do. And I think that was the cool thing. So I've done some really cool things. And then I graduated from Lake State, graduated from the program, and then I... I kind of went everywhere I went I've done a lot of jobs because athletic training has not always been um I'll say a good paying job sometimes it's more about passion and what you love versus versus money um and I did take a 10-year sabbatical to raise my two boys I have a 20 and a 23 year old and I love them dearly and they are my biggest supporters um it's really cool to have your kids be supportive of your career and go, yeah, my mom does that, and no, like think it's cool. That that's pretty awesome. Um, and then uh, how I got into snowcross was it was a snowy day in 2017 in January, and I got a phone call saying, "Hey, I sent you this link. What do you think?" And I'm like, "What the heck is snowcross? I don't know what that is." I had to Google it, and when I Googled it, um, I thought these guys are nuts, but it looks cool. So. I went into my son's room and I'm like, what do you think? Should I try it? And he's like, mom, you'd be dumb if you don't. Why don't you just do it? Even if you like volunteered one day, you put on your resume, that's cool. And you get to hang out with pro athletes that you've always wanted to do. So uh, I went to my first race. I knew nothing at all. Um, I took care of I took care of um, uh, Hunter's teammate, Lincoln. Um, I took care of um, Cody Cam, another racer. And yes, it's public knowledge now, so it's not HIPAA. And then I also took care of uh, one of the Nitro Circus people that were there, one of the females, and uh, I was like, I didn't know who she was. I think that was the best part. I didn't know any of these guys, so I never got starstruck because these these guys are my friends. They're they're I don't know. I Hunter's Hunter and Lincoln's Lincoln and Cody's Cody. They're they're my friends, so um, I know usually I do I never get starstruck like some other people do. I don't know um so that was really cool and I walked away from that going that was awesome like this I could get behind this and then I got asked to go to another race and then April 7th 2017 yes I remember the date because it was the day I got my first gig and I got asked to go on tour full-time for the next year didn't know how I would do it but I figured if um God wanted me there and he wanted to be in this place and help athletes in this realm, then this would be what I could do. And so here I am. Um, and then I went to, I went to Redbud. I had to work Redbud and, uh, yeah, I was, I had to work motorsports that way. And then I got the call up, uh, um, to do Alpine stars, uh, two weeks later. Um, and I cried because I got the call And it was like getting called to the major leagues. I was like, oh my word, I'm going to the, I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. And I thought, okay, no, Amy, you got to do this because you're the only female doing this. And that was the one thing that when I talked to the Alpine Stars group, their biggest thing was, you know, are you going to call a yellow flag or red flag? Are you going to run on the track? Heck yeah, I'm going to run on the track. And athletes hurt, I got to go to them. And that was the one thing is there was, I had to show I had 13 hours of grilling of everything I knew about athletic training to even get a spot on that team. And I hate to say it, but as a woman, you have to do it bigger and better than anyone else, because this is a male dominated sport. This is all male. I only have 25 female riders, all the rest are guys. And if I can't, um, do my job to my best ability, then I shouldn't be out there. You know, I mean, that's what it is. And so I'm always trying to strive to be better than the day before always trying to strive. And and I know Hunter knows this because I always try to be better the next day. Like I'm like, okay, what works? Let's do this. And we're teammates. So every rider that comes in my trailer, I'm their teammate. So if that doesn't work, fine, we'll go to the ball drawing board. We'll try something else. So I really try to make it work. So to, to make that riders so they can achieve their dreams because that's why they're there. They're there to be on top of the box and, you know, win the championship. That's really what they're trying to do. See, I'm long-winded, sorry. (laughs) So that's how I got into Snowcross and I haven't looked back since.
3: So Amy, you had a, uh, you know, a nice short time with the Alpine Stars Mm -hmm. uh, mobile medical unit. Are are they related um, with the FXR medical crew?
1: Well, Um, yes and no, because um, I was the crossover So I started, Dr. Parsons and I started crossing over to both of them and it is different. They have a semi, we have a 30 foot snowmobile trailer, big difference. We still have the same amount of equipment in our trailers. Um, As people personnel, we do try to, um, we do grab people that are from um, Alpine Stars to work with us and only because they understand the sport and they understand that sometimes a rider will fall off their sled put their tether in and a tether is um, the start. Am I right Hunter? It's a starter for the sled and uh, we, it has to be on them. And when it pulls off the sled stops, but they, so there's certain things that are kind of hand in hand with Alpine and snowcross, And it's nice to have people that already know how to work the track and know that sometimes they fall off, get back on and they ride away. And by the time you get there, you're like, well that, I just worked really hard to get here and they're already gone. So having that part has been nice to kind of go back and forth. Um, I'm no longer with the Alpine Stars team right now. Um, I stepped down, so we're kind of in that one. But it was a really great experience, um, one that I will cherish. I worked with some fantastic doctors and it was incredible working with that crew. And it was an incredible, um, when you're working in front of 68 to 70,000 people, yeah. That's all I got. I mean, it was, um, I never looked up. I tried not to look in the stands because it would scare the wits out of me because they're not looking at you, but you think they are. You know, you're just, you just have to focus on your job and focus on what you're doing. It's the same thing when we're at any race. Basically, you're on point from the time you walk on the track until the time you leave. You have to be on point. You have to be on your A game because these riders depend on you. If you're not on your A game, you can hurt them. I mean, not trying to, you have to be in shape. I mean, just like um, the guys on the track, we have to, I, I try to run every day and try to be in shape because running in the snow and 50 pounds a year, it's hard. I'm just not even gonna lie. It's hard. And you got to get the right equipment. Sometimes you, you dress right. Sometimes you don't. Obviously in Fargo, I didn't have enough clothes on, but I don't think any amount of clothes was going to work in that, that temperature. Um, but it does make an important thing. So yeah, with Alpine, definitely. Um, It was an experience. I've been, I'm, I still am the only female that was working the track. Um, And I'm very proud of that because I think I set that I, I'm hoping I'm a pioneer in that, that other girls and other young ladies will look at that and go, okay, she did that. I can do that too. And hopefully I've I've given them confidence enough to step up to do that.
3: Yeah. I know, I know you've been an inspiration to, to my wife, Ansley. um, And I know, you know, she has aspirations of you know coming out and volunteering with you at some point.
1: Um, <laughs> I would love that.
3: Yeah, but so we keep hearing about this this trailer, and from, from my <laughs> understanding, it's it's not it's more than just a mobile athletic training room. It's it's a mobile yeah. medical clinic. So, can you tell it's us what? ER. It?
1: Yeah, it's an ER. So basically, when you walk in the door. Um, in the back is my taping station. And I do a lot of taping. I know people don't know. Sometimes you just do There's too much gear on these guys. I have to put tape underneath the gear. I can't put another brace on them. I just can't. So we do a lot of taping. Um, There's a bed back there that we do uh, for traumas or any uh, lacerations. We have an ultrasound, um, an iPad ultrasound. We have oxygen. We have um, pretty much everything in an emergency room we have in the trailer. Even an x-ray machine, Hunter was alluding to that. We've x-rayed him quite a few times in the trailer. Sorry, I disclosed that information, Hunter. I figured you're okay with that. Um, We've x-rayed him um, and then they go from x-ray, if everything's good, then they come right to me and I tape them and they go back out to the trailer, out of the trailer. Um, We do lacerations, we do sutures, we carry no, uh, there's no medication except for ibuprofen in there and then some lidocaine and that's it. Like we're very careful about what we do in the trailer. If they need more than that, then they have to go to the emergency room. I mean, bottom line, their safety is just as important. Plus when you're traveling with a trailer across state lines, it does make a difference as well. And we try to be very careful on that. So ibuprofen is our strongest drug, literally. And you only get two, (laughs) you only get two. (laughs) We have a limited supply and everything, the trailer too is free of charge. So um anybody who walks in the trailer never gets charged a dime for coming in the trailer it's free anybody who has a hard card and what those are is little tags each one of us has one um to wear on the track and it's free of charge like um hunter if hunter's mom or dad needed to see us they would they have a hard card they'd be able to come in the trailer and see us as well and we've taken care of family members too so anybody with um anybody the rider in their family or their crew member the mechanics we've had burns come in um we just had um a guy get lit on fire from a sled that was kind of scary I didn't I wasn't over where he was I was on another part of the track um but again if he would have had burns we would have taken care of those as well so again you have to expect the unexpected and be ready for anything so not only are you Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's our trailer and it's only 30 feet foot. So you've got to like the people you're working with. You're pretty much family in there and, you know, you're, you're miserable together. You're happy together. You're kind of, it's kind of a team and it's one that we cherish because, um, it's part of our, you know, you travel with them all the time too. So it makes a difference.
0: So real quick, Carrie, Lasco, Paul Rudd, and Douglas yep. Gaylor all watching live on Facebook. Again, just saying, Hi, guys. They're all proud of you. Great job. Way to take care uh, of them.
1: I love all of them, so thank you.
0: All right, Hunter, she mentioned that she really didn't have any idea about what Cross was and how to go talk to her son and you basically YouTube what it was. Does that affect the way that you view her or the way that you trust her? Because when I did rodeo, Sean Reedy did rodeo growing up he had multiple injuries from rodeo so it's a, he's able to relate but does that change your perspective or or her understanding of what you actually do in your opinion
2: Uh <laughs> um, no it definitely doesn't change uh my opinion uh it doesn't alter my trust for her um i'm i i'm fortunate enough to have been able to work for her for a la- lot or work with her for the last three years so um, just knowing her knowledge of the sport and being able to um, just trust her with literally any anything that happens. Um, I've had ankles taped. I've had my thumb taped. I've had my shoulder taped. Like I've, <laughs> I've been able to work with her for multiple different injuries. Um, and I think her, just because she didn't know what the sport was when she first got the call, um, I mean, that doesn't really... I mean, I guess that could worry some people, but I mean, the the fact that she was willing to to just learn and she was all in. She was she was watching videos. She was doing everything just to learn about snowcross. Um, I think that says a lot about her and um, her drive and her motivation, and uh, just shows a lot about who about her and, and who the person that you're working with is. Um, just to be able to have somebody that is all in on on our sport, and because. Like she said, that if you're not all in, it's it's tough to be able to be in this sport because it does take so much and it's so mentally challenging for um, for those people because of the things that they see and um, the people that they have to work with. Um, it, it doesn't alter my trust at all. I mean, I put I literally go out there every single time and I put my life on the line. So um, knowing that I have Amy and people like her and her team uh, there to um, protect me if anything were to happen. So, um, I know that I'm, I'm in good hands no matter what goes on. And, um, yeah, no, it definitely doesn't alter my trust at all. And I go out on the track knowing that we have good medical personnel and, um, that I'll be, I'll be healthy no (laughs) matter what.
0: So you talked a lot about the taping, you know, having multiple body parts taping. Are you comfortable with saying, Hey, Amy, this isn't working or Hey, hey, you know, like telling her, Hey, that, that's not right. Fix it
2: yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely um I'm I'm pretty open with her I still man I still don't like to go to the medical trailer no, just because the don't. idea of going I, I love Amy but I hate going to the medical trailer just the <laughs> idea of getting taped and the idea the idea yeah, of like, starting your race day in a medical trailer oh, man it's just I mean I, I know that it, there is some precautions that you need to take um and there's some things that you need to be able to make your body durable enough for the race uh for the night show so um, yeah, I, I tried to stay away from there as, as much as possible. Like even, even the other, a couple of weeks ago when I got into a bad accident in Deadwood, I, the last thing I wanted to do was go to the medical trailer. All I wanted to do was just go back to my trailer, like mm-hmm. just sit, feel my pain alone and, uh, just, <laughs> just get ready for the next race. So, um, yeah, but unfortunately there is some, sometimes where you, you need to go to the medical trailer. Um, but as a racer, that's not what you want to do. Um, but no, I'm, she's, she's so willing to take any kind of criticism, uh, constructive criticism, obviously. Um, so I'll tell her anything that I don't like. Um, usually there hardly has ever been something that I haven't liked. It's just like this last, this last mm-hmm. weekend, like I asked if I could use some heavier tape. Um, that was lit. That was the only thing that was the only complaint that i had i guess so (laughs) and we changed um, it so it was good (laughs) yep yep and we used some different tape and then um all was good after that so uh yeah no complaints there
3: amy have you uh have you had to start using specific types of tape you know waterproof or
1: um i do use i use a lot of rock tape um what i start to notice is some i kind of again, you have to know your riders and knowing like, there's some guys that don't like anything on their hands. And so I really try to work with trying to figure out because of throttle hands, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of times the gloves are tight. So if I have anything, they usually get blisters in the inside of the hands here. And sometimes they get blisters here. So I have to really tape them um, to get them comfortable for this amount of uh, laps that they do. Um, I've changed some of the things. I use a lot of Leuco tape. It sticks very well on them, especially with some tough skin. Um, I use rock tape a ton. The riders love it. Um, it, it helps. It also gives them a little bit of a uh, stability underneath the brace. Um, I pretty much use Elasticon and I use a lot of stretchy tape, um, the elastic adhesive stretchy t- tape, and I don't use certain brands. Um, I try to, we're nonprofit. So I have to kind of gauge we have to be careful on money. So I have to try to make sure I get what I need. Um, But that's, and then I do use colored pre-wrap. The guys love it and the girls, um, it sounds silly, but they match their uniform with their pre-wrap. It is such a thing. Um, It kind of gives them a little, hey, what color do you want? I know um, some of the guys will use pink, some of them will use yellow, but I try to have the the multi-color pre-wrap in my trailer so that they can match their uniform with their pre-wrap. And that is a true story. because they like, and, and they won't, if they get taped on Friday, they'll get taped the same way if they've done well. Again, they like to keep the same and, or they might change it up. So, I mean, pretty much I don't use anything crazy. I do a lot of um, basically modifying braces. I do that a lot of them. So on them, they have uh, sometimes ankle braces, knee braces. Um, they wear sometimes neck braces. Hunter, do you wear a neck brace? Okay, some nope, do, don't some don't.
2: Fish. What's that? I don't wear an ex no. no. Okay,
1: I didn't think you did. Some wear a Lear, some wear um, alpine stars. It depends on the brace. Um, most of them wear um, the helmets with the goggles. Ga- obviously, they wear the helmets with the goggles, and they wear a tech vest underneath. Um, the tech vest is going to protect him from studs on the track. So if the snowball runs over him and studs them. So, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to get anything else underneath them besides tape, um, and that's kind of what I have to just customize everything I do. If they have an old injury. I got to customize the tape up and you just have to think outside the box. There's no co- cookie cutter way of doing this. You just have to look at the athlete, ask questions. Cause their anatomy is not the same as normal people because they've had so many injuries. It's kind of like bull riders. You look at them, they don't have a normal anatomy at all because they've gotten this broke, that broke, this broke. So you just have to look at them. Each one I look at as an individual person and then tape from there or kind of just try to work with them. And then if they need some exercises or something, I try to do um, continuing care with them as well on uh, giving them exercises or um, some things that they can work on during the, the week prior to, but I also know that they're practicing and they're riding and they're also doing their gym regiment because these guys are pretty regiment on what they do. So um, that's another thing. Did I answer that?
3: You did. Thank you.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, there was a little delay. I'm like, yeah, I love that no. you, you
3: know, as you know, I've been racing jet skis for, for a long time now, 16 plus years. And I think I've had my ankle taped one time mm-hmm. and that was this last summer. Um, I've had my fair share of like shoulder injuries, but, um, we don't have athletic trainers in jet ski racing. So oh, I'll
1: come. no problem. Pretty, Just let
3: me know. Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, sunny, sunny beach, a lot nicer yeah. than the minus 40. So,
1: oh, well, you know, I do kind of like prefer the minus 40. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I would I use beach. New... Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we can't race on the beach though. I mean, we guess we could, but I would have taped you in a Luco tape honestly, to give you that rigidity and it would be, it would stay on you better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, white tape is not going to stay on you. Not, not out on water. Not in water. So again, you have to kind of see, again, you have to think outside the box. And I think um, you, this part for me is really cool because I get to think outside the box and I have to think differently than, than the book says. There's one thing about experience and I think taking what we know and then making it to the next level is what, that's what I wanted to do is take this to the next level. I just didn't want to be cookie cutter athletic trainer in the trailer. I wanted to take my game to the next level. So every day these guys challenge me to be better and they've made me a better athletic trainer um, to the point where I, I mean, I do interviews now which is really weird um, for CBS. And I didn't think I'd do that but they've made me elevate my game and I think that's important. So not only are they helping me I get to help them, but they're helping me as well.
0: All right, Hunter, you're from way up north where it's regularly in the negatives, negative 20, 30, 40, that kind of thing. And like I said, it is cold here. And so we're just figuring out how many different layers of clothes we can put on, what is your favorite thing to do to, to stay warm when you're outside in in racing and going 40 miles an hour at negative 40 degrees?
2: so for us we're obviously we're we're sponsored by climb um so they have very good gear Um, we have um, heavy jacket uh, a lightweight jersey and kind of a windproof um, waterproof jacket type thing so when the snow gets super wet um but i try not to change up too many things when it gets super cold i try to stay as comfortable and um, i just wear one layer a tech vest and then my my race jacket so um, I try to keep it pretty simple. I try to keep it pretty consistent to what I race on even the warmer days. So um, obviously I'll, I'll wear a heavier jacket when it's super cold, but um, no, I try not to change up too many things and try not to put on too many layers because even though it is cold, you want to be able to be um, mobile mm-hmm. on the snowmobile and be able to have that um, that freedom to, to maneuver around on the snowmobile too. So uh, you can't be too stiff because if you're too stiff, then uh, you end up getting, You're just uncomfortable when you're on the sled and, uh, you just feel limited to what you can do. So I think for me, just, uh, dressing normal, I guess, for, for the sub-zero, uh, temperatures and, um, yeah, just trying to be as comfortable as possible.
0: Amy, you're standing around in the cold. You said sometimes (laughs) 15 hours standing out there. What do you do to survive that?
1: um so i actually um i do the same thing like hunter does i try not to change up my gear too much i just add a couple layers underneath um i use where i actually grabbed them i have these pants they're tech pants and inside of them have a snow they have a they have a blanket in them they have a space blanket in them and these are our tech pants from fxr so our trailer is sponsored by fxr so i'm logoed from head to toe because if the cameras hit me i have to be logoed for FXR um, and their gear is amazing. I know other gear is great too, but I have to say that FXR, which FXR is good. Um, on the bottoms, I usually wear my tech pants and then I usually wear about between three to four pairs of tights, um, cuddle duds or something like that. And I also wear 100% wool underneath. On the top, I usually wear um, 100% wool, then I wear an Under Armour um, and then I wear a t shirt and then a heavy sweatshirt. And FXR has these really heavy sweatshirts that we have. And you can see they're kind of thick and they're nice and warm. Um, because in the trailer, I'll take my jacket off. And then I wear um, our FXR mobile medical jackets that you can't miss us. They're bright yellow and orange. Um, and in Fargo, and then I wear um, FXR boots. I just changed boots to a heavier boot um, because my, my toes are getting cold at the end of the day. So and I wear at least uh, one or two pairs of socks in that 100% wool. Um, On the gloves, I have special gloves that I wear, and then I put hand warmers in it when it gets really cold. Um, And then on the hat, we have to wear headsets. So my ears are usually warm, um, but I actually wear, I wear a hat in Fargo. Sometimes I don't wear a hat and I go to a ball hat at night in the night show. I know Hunter alluded to the night show. During the day, we have practice and different finals but the night show is the big that's the big money show so six o'clock the night show starts and when the night show starts all of us have to be on track from our team and we don't leave the track we just you just know that from six o'clock on till about 10 o'clock at night you're on that track you don't leave unless you get called back to the trailer to tape but nobody's supposed to be getting taped after six o'clock um we've kind of set that standard a little bit So we made sure. Um, So I tried to be as warm as possible. I did try a pit coat. And a pit coat's a long coat that the guys wear when they're walking around out on the track to do track walk or checking out the track. I tried a pit walk coat. Yeah, I threw, I put it back because I felt like I was lifting up a skirt to go to a rider. I couldn't move in it. Um, It went down to my ankles. And you can't work in the snow, especially if you got to kneel down. I just can't work. So I ended up putting another... um, liner into the FXR jacket. So I had two liners and the jacket and I was pretty warm at that point. As long as my core is warm, I'm I'm good. Legs, not a big deal until about 9 30. And then I start getting cold and I'm like, okay, how many laps is this? <laughs> you know, let's go guys. Let's go. You know, and sometimes that night show and Hunter will say there's a lap sometimes about a 10 minute lapse between the 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 last race of the night because we have to do parade laps and there's a lot of things we have to do um, for the the show the actual cbs show because we are on the tv show so and that you can hear it in your headphones so um yeah i'm not gonna lie in fargo i jumped in the groomer because i was cold and they had the the groomer running in with heat on so i jumped in there to keep warm so not gonna lie but normally i don't do that so yeah so about about 50 pounds of equipment on me you know, and then you're running through the snow and you get your headset and your gloves. And sometimes I know that when we were backboarding the gentleman, I actually threw my headset off because I, because you hear everything. And I had to turn my, you have to turn your radio up really high, especially when they're going fast, because the sound is so, you can't hear the radio and you're listening to track boss and you're listening to the the you're listening to the announcer so you have a lot of stuff going in your head sometimes you just can't think so I've pulled my headset off and handed it to somebody and thank goodness the guys are used to me doing that that they just I'm like just hold on to this you know and I just throw my gear to them and they hold on to it and then later on I'll get it back to them before the next show but yeah so it is it is a show so you just do what you can and you have to look nice too because if you look bad I mean you know, you're out there, you're out there present, presenting yourself and the team. So you need to make sure that you look good too. That's, you are
3: know. making a pretty good case for, uh, you know, toughest athletic trainers out there. So what do you I, mean? I wouldn't argue. It.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the big thing is, is, you know, when you're out there, you know, and the camera hits you, you know, you don't want to look, you got to look good. I mean, I always laugh because I'm like, oh, my hair looks good. And everybody laughs. I'm like, not wearing hat. Same hair looks good. and They laugh. And I'm, I'm still, a, am still a lady. And I still like to look presentable when I'm out on the track. I mean, even with uh, snow on my eyelashes, you know, and I'm freezing, but you still have to look good, you know, yeah. present yourself with the best of ability.
0: All right. So we've talked. About the positions, like how you get into position at the track and you look for basically the most <laughs> dangerous position and you kind of right. station yourself there. Um, so, yep. a couple of questions about that. One, how many people mm-hmm. are on the track? How many medical people are on the track at once? Two, okay. do you wa- have to walk to all those or do you have like a snowmobile <laughs> or a gate or something like that that you take? Okay.
1: No, that's a good question. So, we have in our trailer, we have what's called the Polaris Rapid Response and we have a we have a, um, it's a it's a tracker with uh, snow tracks on it, um, and so we have a ranger, um, and it goes all over. It's equipped with a, st- a backboard, a stokes, a back seat. So it is equipped for us to backboard a patient, put it on the backboard, and then in the drawer, um, we actually there's a drawer underneath, and it has every everything that you can think of in that drawer. So it has a straps. Um, splints, whatever we need, we can, um, get to, um, if it needs a higher level of care, um, we actually backboard them, get them off the track and then get them right to an ambulance. So we do a hot transport at that point. Um, with the, um, I walk to a lot of the places because, um, if, and anyone who's listening, who knows this, um, on our radios, uh, we talk on, Two is the race traffic and there's a track boss. The track boss usually lets me know if I can get across the track. We are always on the inside of the track. Very rarely are we on the outside of the track. Um, So to get across a hot track, if the pros are going out, there's no way in heck I'm going across that track unless I have to. Um, Because their lap times, I think, Hunter, your lap times are like 35 sometimes, not even 35 seconds, right?
2: Yeah, depending on how how big the track
1: is. is. Yeah, so if it's a short track, you can't get across. Like, I'm not going to try. So unless I'm needed immediately, I try to time it, and then I listen to track boss. Our track boss is LT, um, and he lets me know, Amy, you can go, um, and then he'll tell me when I can go, which is helpful. Um, I really do, and I don't even look, I just blindly go. So I know that he he watches the whole track. So I know that when I go, I can go. Um, but I usually walk to all my places and then we go to four for medical and it will say Amy to four. And when anyone says Amy to four, well, I just start walking because that means Amy's got to go to the trailer and tape somebody or take a do an evaluation. So everybody kind of laughs at the track and they're like, oh, Amy's going back to the trailer. And so Amy to four is usually my call to go back to the trailer and uh, evaluate or tape an athlete or touch base with one that I need to touch base with. I usually let a nurse know if I have somebody coming in um, during the night show. I know Hunter and I've worked on that before where if he needed to come in between rounds that we would talk. Um, But I usually walk, um, get a lot of steps in. I think I get 28 to 30,000 in a a day um, just walking back and forth from the track. It's not always ideal, but, eh, you know, you got to keep limber sometimes when it's cold. And that's a good way of warming up. You know, so that's kind of how I look at. It. But I mean, if it's a bigger track, I do try to get a ride out there. Um, but usually, our rig is already positioned, and we don't try to take that off the track back and forth. So I just walk to the, I walk to. I, they usually get me close enough to the trailer. Um, we try to, as a team, we look at how many people we have on it and where the closest spot and where a good spot would be, be. And then I talk to Tom, our EMT, who's out there and I'll say, Hey, where's a good spot for me. And then he kind of lets me know where I need to go. We roughly have between three to four people on track at all times, but that can go down to two. And sometimes it can go down to one. If we have a serious injury, it will go down to one. I know that after the incident in Fargo, I ended up being the only one on the track and we can't race with, we can race with one person on the track. So I just called in and said, let me get in position and then we're ready to go. Um, and then I let him know. Um, we do, we're able to call red flags if needed for medical. Um, if we need to, we will call them. And that's another thing that people don't know. Um, if we see something terrible, we will call a red flag. Um, and that means all racing has to stop immediately and the flags go. And we don't, we don't try to call those. We just sometimes medically necessary. So Yep.
3: How many, how many racers are on the track at one time that you're having to uh, look out for or dodge? <laughs>
1: um, so during the heat races, um, we'll, we'll start with pro cause that's the easier one. Um, usually on the pro line, there's usually eight on the line during the heat races. And then on the start, I want to say 15 to 20, right Hunter? We got 10 in the front row, right? 10 in the back? Yeah,
2: 10 in the front row, five in the
1: back row. Five in the back. So we have about 15 that are coming at you. So when you go into that first, you're trying to get a hole shot, which means that you're trying to get to the line first where there's this line, and you want to try to get out in front. That hole shot is your biggest concern. You're watching that like a hawk, trying to make sure. You're basically making sure everybody comes through that good. Um, Hole shots are always tough. You just got to watch, and even for a rider, because it's full throttle on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And they're just trying to pin it and trying to ride through it and if you check up then you check everyone up behind you and that's where ours not gonna be mean but some of there's some other classes that I get a little we actually we get a little worried about because they're they're not as they're good riders but they have a lot to learn yet and sometimes when they pin it it can be tough and that's when you're watching for carnage which is horrible to say but you're watching to see if anybody made it out of that of that um pull shot so when everybody's on point and you can watch us you you'll see us like pose to kind of be ready to go um because when i'm watching a, a couple other classes i'm and there's 15 to 20 on that line or you know 10 in back 10 in front they're going full throttle and it's pinning all the way So, I mean, you're just, you're just trying to make sure everybody's safe and then you have to get to them as fast as possible.
3: And they're not, you know, they're not small machines. Um, Hunter, how much would you say your, your race sled weighs?
2: Um, they weigh anywhere from like 500 to 520 pounds. So there's definitely a lot of, a lot of machine there. And if you get hit by them, you're definitely going to feel it the next day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
3: if you get the whole shot, you've got 14 other 500-pound machines right behind you ready to mm-hmm. ready to get you, you know?
1: Yeah. The biggest thing is getting that whole shot, you know, um, and then getting out in front. Because, like I said, if you're in a different class, sometimes those classes, they'll check up. And what I mean by check up is they'll go off the throttle, and there's someone behind you full throttle. And then that's when things can go bad to worse real quick you know, and Hunter knows that, I mean, you, you just know that as you move up the ranks, it's, I think the riders are, um, they get more experience and they ride better and you can tell, you know, even, even on the sled. And I know a lot of my riders don't know this, but I watch them on the, on the sled. So if I know that there's an injury or I know that they've been taped for some way, I can actually watch them and see how they ride. Um, and I know when they're, I mean, I'll watch and see oh, shoot, I see that we got to tweak something here. So I actually watch them ride and kind of study how they're riding so I can kind of tweak something in the trailer as well. They don't know that. (laughs) Now you do. (laughs) So I do try to keep an eye out for the ones I know that I need to keep an eye out for.
3: That's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Amy, David mentioned that his wife is interested in volunteering with you. So someone wants to kind of follow in your footsteps, maybe be part of the team, do Mm -hmm. volunteer work what are those options and how do they do that
1: well this year's a little different so um this year's pretty much out unfortunately because of covid um but in the future just getting a hold of me and chatting with me because i do have to get a permission and from our uh, race our um our medical director and stuff but i welcome anybody who wants to come out and uh, hang with me um just know that it's gonna be cold um it's not glamorous um you're in the trenches and um You do what it takes to be out there. So if that's something you're interested in, touch base with me. And I I welcome anybody to come out and hang out with me for a day or two. Um, But know that it's, it's (laughs) being in this pro sport is not, it's, it's awesome. And to me, it's glamorous, but to other people, it's not because of the weather we deal with. Um, But you know what? The people make it the best and make it special. That's the best part. Cause it truly is a family, you know, it really is.
0: So to volunteer with an athletic trainer, need any sort of special certifications, trainings, anything like that? Um,
1: at this point, no. I mean, basically, you know, if they're a certified athletic trainer, no problem. If they're a student, they can work underneath me. It's not a problem. Um, no, because I welcome anybody who's even interested. I probably would not take a high school student um, just just because um just for like liability and stuff and be for safety but if somebody's in the athletic training program that has made first and second year and are looking to expand junior seniors absolutely um because it isn't as you do have to dodge sleds um if a sled comes off um full throttle at you you got to know when to bail i mean that did happen to us uh in fargo fargo was crazy Things happen in Fargo. Um, and then another slide flipped over and right in front of me, right at my feet. So if you're not paying attention, and that's the thing, this you have to be able, you have to be serious about this and dedicated to coming out to doing it. And it's not taking pictures or videoing on the track. Um, you won't see me doing that because that's, that's not appropriate. Um, we're there to do a job and we're there to work and to keep our riders safe. That's what we're doing. So you won't see me videoing or my phone is in the trailer i mean you just don't do it and i know that people don't understand that but the other thing is like um you know these guys have a life and you don't want to you don't want to infringe on that life too their personal life too
0: plus from what i understand if you're standing close to amy you're going to be famous anyways because she's got multiple youtube (laughs) videos and montages and things like that so (laughs)
1: Um I, we do have professional photographers that are on tour with us full time and um they we did a couple clips last year for the um I did speak at the NATA Emerging Settings virtual conference for athletic training in um emerging settings for snow Frost. so we did that montage because of that um there we've been talking about doing a project that kind of signifies what I've been doing in my career and and honestly it's for my grandkids I don't have any yet I don't want any yet but you know it's for my kids and um it'd be for me it wouldn't be you know I don't know I think I've done some pretty cool things and would like to share that with the world
0: David, you any last
3: questions? So no, I just, I just think it's amazing that we have athletic trainers in, in these settings. Um, you know, like you've grown up racing jet skis. We never had athletic trainers. Um, I didn't really know what an athletic trainer was, um, you know, until maybe a year or two before I met my wife and, you know, she inspired me to become an athletic trainer and, you know, with hopes of hopefully, you know, offering our services to, to the action sports that don't have them. So mm-hmm. we just want to thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I have, you know, I'm blessed to be working with this, this group of people. I mean, every day I pinch myself cause I'm like I get to work some really awesome people and I've met some people that I never would have met had it not been in the, in the snow cross community. Um, and that's pretty amazing, you know, Yeah. and to be able to use my gift or, you know, try, I think that's huge. And I become passionate about my guys and, and girls. I mean, I love my female riders. I think that's the other cool thing is I have 25 pro women that come in my trailer and I hope they inspire me. I hope I inspire them because they get to come into the trailer and get taped or taken care of by me. And how many other places did they get to have a female athletic trainer take care of them in a, in a, in a truly, um, sport that is pretty much dominated by men to be honest or gentlemen um I think that's huge and a shout out to all my female pro riders because they're pretty awesome ladies and I'm inspired by them every day too and that that's cool to see that too and I'm inspired by all the guys that I work with and doing what they get to do and then when I see them on the box it means the world because I'm like, okay, I helped him get there. They know I helped him get there. And to me, that's a win. And I'll take that every day.
0: All right. So on Facebook, there's Dave, Devin Denman, David Beckwith.
1: Pete <laughs> David uh, Beckwith. Schlotes,
0: yeah. And they're all again saying how much they love Amy. So, Hunter, I want you to kind of close this out. As a professional <laughs> athlete, what would you do if. Amy and the medical team wasn't there at the race, what would you do?
2: Oh, man, I'd, I'd definitely suffer through a lot of pain, that's for sure. <laughs> um, there'd be a lot of times where um, I, I wouldn't have known any injuries that I that I had. Um, two years ago, or actually last year, I, I tore a ligament in my thumb, mm-hmm. and I just I knew that I got landed on, and I knew that my thumb hurt really bad, but I didn't know what was wrong with it. I knew that it was a little bit swollen. So I went to the mold medical and uh, got it examined by them. And um, right away they knew without any, any kind of scans or x-rays, they knew that what it could have been and actually what it was. So i um, just thankful to have them there uh, firsthand and be able to, to present those injuries to me, I guess, just so I know for the future when I need to get them worked on or, um, yeah, just be able to take care of my body more and, but no, honestly, just, I I really don't know what, what I, or what the the whole series would do without a medical team there. So just knowing that you have those, those people behind you on the racetrack and, um, being able to go back to a medical trailer in case something does happen. Uh, I know that if they weren't there, I would have spent a lot of painful times in the trailer, just waiting for the pain to go away. And then, noticing that it wasn't going away and just trying to push through the pain. So being able to have them to kind of reduce that pain for me and, um, take care of me and hold my body together. Like in the, in the Jersey that's behind Amy there, I wrote, thank you for keeping my body together. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm definitely grateful to, to have her there and to have the whole medical team. Uh, just knowing that no matter what happens, that, I'm going to be okay. And no matter what injuries I have, um, I know that Amy's going to be able to think outside the box and and, uh, you know, get, get me taped up and get me ready to go for the night show, no matter how bad the injury is. And um, one of the other things that's pretty inspiring too is last year, my teammate actually separated his shoulder and uh, he, he raced the next, the the next race that he was in. So um, that, that was thanks to Amy and the whole medical team for getting him taped up. And, um i mean he they got he him wants, through the pain you know, and yeah yeah so win. um yeah. yeah so so being able to to see that kind of stuff and, and seeing the work that they do throughout the entire um the entire series uh with all the different riders is definitely inspiring and motivating too so uh and and encouraging so uh yeah just grateful for them and to, to have uh their knowledge and uh their gifts so yeah just thankful for them
0: awesome thanks Hunter Hunter I appreciate you waking up early as Amy said to to join us someone wants to get a hold of oh, you no, follow okay. you find you what is going to be the best way for someone to just follow your races
2: um so obviously we have our, our social medias like on Instagram uh it's just my regular name but for the to watch the races everything's on um uh everything's on the live streaming channel so if you go to snowcross.com and then click live stream uh i know that all the races are there and it has the schedule as soon as you pull up the home screen and um you're able to just click on each race and watch a live stream and now it's pretty cool to have this um this thing where you can can go back and watch previous races too so just on snowcross.com and uh, you'll find everything you need to know there
0: Good. And then I made the mistake of putting the W in snow, like, so snow is <laughs> yes, S N O C R O S S. So if yeah, you're there's looking no verse, W, yeah, if you're like, there's no W, it's Snow cross. <laughs> there's no W. So when I posted, posted it on no. social media, it had the W, but thanks Amy, for yeah. pointing that out. Great.
1: <laughs> no problem. My mom did. I'm just letting you know, my mother pointed it out. She's like, they didn't know they didn't do the research. I was laughing so hard. Gotta love my mom. My mom and dad are big fans. So of me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have them you know
0: yep because uh, they
1: never uh, told me i was crazy about my dream about being an athletic trainer so shout out to my mom and dad that they didn't think i would have had a crazy dream and so yeah
0: amy you said if someone wants to try and volunteer obviously post-covid mm-hmm. times to reach out to yeah. you what is going to be the best way for anybody to reach out and get a hold of you
1: um probably my email it's uh, amymativa at yahoo.com um, and they can just reach out to me there. Um, I do have a Twitter and uh, Amy Mativa 10. And then I also have, um, or Instagram, sorry, not Twitter, Instagram, sorry. And then I also, um, they can get a hold of me. Um, man, pretty much on social media. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have my Facebook page too. But pretty much just email me, talk to me. But you have to be serious. Um, and I know that I'm stressing that a lot my riders are very special to me and I just don't let anybody come and hang out with me. So in order to do that, you've got to be able to step up to the plate and do a good job. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm kind of uh, protective of my guys and gals, um, because they're important to me.
0: Awesome. David, best way to get a hold
3: of you. Um, so my email is Redinger three at gmail.com. Um, for athletic training social media, I usually use uh, Twitter, which is at ReadyAT underscore. Um, and then if you want to follow any sort of jet skiing content, it's on Instagram, and that's at Redinger underscore three.
0: All right. So if you want to check out professional jet ski racing or you want to take, check out David with his athletic training content, come down to the sunny beaches watch the races instead of standing in the 40 degree snow or negative 40 degree snow is what i'm so yes negative yeah. yes Oof. so you can do any of those i'll have links to those in the in the show notes again this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash snowcross and i'm actually going to make it so that it has both in case somebody doesn't misspell it like i did so uh, i'll make it so it has s-n-o-w-c-r-o-s-s and then S N O C R O C R. O oh, S S. so i'll make sure i'll make sure it has both of those sports snowcross slash um and then let me ask you one last time or one, one last question mm-hmm. here so hunter what do you typically use for like keeping staying hydrated when you're oh, on a race that's day a good
1: question
2: um so on a race day i usually i'll just try to i don't usually eat a lot during the race days um just because no. when no. i i eat i don't <laughs> i don't for some reason i just don't feel as good so uh, I try to keep the keep the meal small and uh, I'll eat grapes, raspberries, drink a lot of water, obviously. Um, actually, it's kind of funny. My teammate and I, we got this little joke going in the trailer on race weekends. Uh, you know, we've never peed as much as we do on a race weekend. Like on the race <laughs> weekend, it's every each day. It's like we're we're peeing every 20 minutes. So um, <laughs> You drink so much water just to try to stay hydrated, and especially when it's cold too. Because sometimes you gotta force the water down. Because when mm-hmm. it is cold, you don't think of drinking, because um, it doesn't really come to your mind. But uh, no, I'll definitely try to drink a lot of water, and um, sometimes I'll have like a kombucha or something like that. But usually I don't. I try not to to drink a lot of um, other energy drinks or anything like that. Uh, I just kind of never. It never really did the trick for me, so. I just stick to water and start off the day with some coffee and collagen and yeah, stuff like that. So just try to keep it simple. Just drink some water, grapes, oranges, apples, mm-hmm. bananas, yeah. Yeah. raspberries. So,
0: Amy, what about you? What do you do to stay hydrated? Um,
1: I am, I'm a, t- so the joke in the trailer for us, cause we all have a little trailer joke. I drink Starbucks iced tea, unsweetened black iced tea. Um, and I will get at least two before a race week, uh, two or four. Um, that's the joke in the trailer. And I try to eat small meals too, because, um, when you're out there running or you're trying to get to places, you just feel heavy. And, and if I sit down in the trailer, I will fall asleep. So, um, our meals are actually, um, usually catered or our nurse makes our meals. Um, we have crock pot meals in the trailer and I usually, I like soup and crackers and, um, especially when we're burning a ton of calories, um, chicken in a soup, crackers. I try to eat like the cutie oranges. Um, I try to limit it. I eat chocolate chip cookies in the morning, get my day started, just a little spick of sugar. Um, but I try to keep, I try to eat pretty healthy and then I try to eat light. And then my big meal will come after the show at night. We'll try to get something. Um, I, I eat terrible during race weekends, just because I don't get a lot of time to eat. Um, I'm just in and out of the trailer. And when we do have downtime, usually that's when the riders come in. So I try to wolf down some food as much as I can, but I mean, I try to eat light meals too. Like Hunter said, sometimes you feel heavy and you just can't, just doesn't feel right and your stomach hurts. So I try to just keep it light, you know, and then eat later. So we usually have team dinner on Thursday night. Most, most uh, teams do, um, we have team dinner on Thursday night, and usually it's a steak dinner. <laughs> we usually have, we go for steak and uh, fries, and that kind of sets our tone. And then uh, we that we kind of have our big meal then, and we pretty much don't eat much after that for the weekend, even though we're burning a ton of calories. And by the time you get home, you pretty much, um, hold on, pretty much you are just pretty much um, dead tired, and I don't know, we just go back to the hotel and crash. I mean, if you think about being on your feet for 15, 16 hours a day and, and trying to be on point the whole time. So, yeah. So I don't usually – I don't eat till later at night, probably about 10, 30, 11. And trying to find a restaurant open then right now is a nightmare. <laughs> so hard to find a restaurant that's open. So sometimes we just basically go back to the hotel and I find macaroni and cheese in the hotel and make it in the microwave. <laughs> like legit. You know, you do what you can. Yeah.
0: You know? yep all right well i like hoist hydration for i like the rehydrating the electrolytes that kind of thing here and again i kind of partner with them there but i was just wondering what you guys use as professional athletes david do you have any special thing that you use for race days
3: yeah um, i'm fortunate to be uh, sponsored by an amazing supplement company um, so i usually stick to coffee in the morning, um, with a little chocolate protein added to that. Um, and then a nice little carbohydrate and electrolyte drink, uh, throughout the day. Um, I'm like Hunter, I can't, can't eat a whole lot throughout the day. Just, I don't know if it's, you know, the nerves or just don't want a full stomach, but, um, after racing, it's, it's time to, time to pick mm-hmm. out.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah for sure, you mean- definitely after the races, I was Always just going
2: gotta- to ask back at the trailer we always have like some sweets or or just like brisket in the in the crock pot so mm-hmm. usually after the races you're like all right i'm good now i can pig out for a little bit yeah. <laughs> so. so i'm
1: coming to your trailer after the races got it
2: <laughs> sounds good <laughs> all
0: right yeah. so this is com slash snowcross either with the W or without, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash snowcross. So for Jeremy, Amy Mativa, David Ringer, Hunter, and then Hunter, I don't think we've even said your last name. I would say Patinod. Is that correct? Patinod. Patinod. Patinod, okay. And the Sports yep. Medicine Broadcast. I appreciate everyone being here, everyone in the live chat, watching, commenting. Um, again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash snowcross. That is a wrap. Thanks.